Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This extraordinary person has an extraordinary story. All right, you guys, welcome on in to The Point with Kristen Burt. This is our hour-long show. This morning, we had our eliminated contestants from So You Think You Can Dance, Evan Benedetto, and, of course, Chelsea Hopps. So don't miss out on those after you watch this show. And we are so excited uh, to have Maggie Kadurka in studio with us. Also known as the bald ballerina, yes. but she's got gorgeous hair, yeah, of course. Not bald anyway. We'll have to get into that story and everything. But, you know, I want to let you guys know Maggie and I met each other last November thanks to Doriana Sanchez. So if you guys have been watching So You Think You Can Dance, like this is like a full circle moment for us. Doria, of course, was on So You Think You Can Dance last night. I was at the show. Maggie was at the show. We love the Chris Scott piece, so yeah. we gave a little shout out to Chelsea and Evan, who did a great job, and to Rihanna for that amazing song. Yeah. It was great. This is kind of how our story goes, isn't it, Maggie? Yeah. It's just round and round. And <laughs> I know. I'm in town. Okay. <laughs> I know. It really it really is uh, something like that. But I, I want to let you guys know, Maggie and I met um, last November at I Dance for a Cure event. Mm-hmm. Um, Doriana, also a cancer survivor, yep. uh, always does this fundraising event. She brought you in. Yeah. And you guys had met last year, correct? Yeah, at the Industry Dance Awards. She introduced me before my perform. I love that. And uh, so it was one of those things that got to love when, um, you know, everything sort of like you become fast friends for. I, yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. I think Maggie and I spent a total of like eight minutes together Probably. last November. <laughs> but I don't know. We stayed in touch and we just got along really well. Just like right yeah. away. I felt like we had great friend chemistry. Yeah. We were just meant to be friends. We were meant to be friends. It was meant to happen. I know, I love that. And so we've seen you out here a couple times in yeah. L.A. Um, and we're always happy to have you here. So I'm glad we can share your story because I think, um, you know, a lot of dance fans want to hear your dance story. But I think also there's a bigger message here. There were a couple of things that we, you and I were talking about that I was like, it seems like a political hot button but it's actually yeah. not it's a human it's not. issue yeah, so it's a big human issue and i think when you hear it from from you mm-hmm. people will go oh yeah, for sure could, yeah it's it's something that's really important so you're you're a ballerina baby yeah. you, were you the like the little 3 year old i'm the bunhead of the group the little of the whole head. world probably <laughs> um, i trained as a ballet dancer from the time i was 4 of course i did the jazz and the lyrical and the tap and the musical theater i did everything but every day i did ballet um, my mom felt it was important to do everything, so when I went to auditions, I was ready to do anything. When they asked for that double pirouette, you can do it. Yep, double pirouette. I can do it in point, shoes, whatever you want. Got it. Can you do it? This has been a hot topic, so you think, can you do it in tap shoes? I can do it in tap <gasps> shoes, but I can't tap. So. Okay. <laughs> Just the shoe. Just the shoe. <laughs> got the shoe part. We're never going to stop talking about tap no. after this season. That's it. <laughs> no tappers will ever compete until you think you can dance. Oh my gosh. I know. This, we, she and I, we also, this was funny because we, we went out to lunch or brunch the other yeah. day and we were talking a lot about the, the tap issue and what yeah. that meant. And because I think for dancers, I think for all of us, 
we've all trained like we all dabbled a little bit in tap but to be a true tapper it's like a ballet dancer you don't see ballet dancers on to well you see ballet dancers but they don't put themselves as a ballet dancer they put themselves as contemporary or jazz or they yeah. put themselves as something else but you never see ballet yeah because you're you're worried that they're going to start the like we've the, got someone for you yeah and it <laughs> happened the year melissa did it they were like we got a contemporary ballet piece and then it was like oh, oh no <laughs> they did that also in season 11 when jordan and jackie yes yeah jordan one of my good friends yes that, and that was, was like, a really hard piece yeah. that they and cranked she was like up. i'm ballet dancer but i'm also contemporary so <laughs> i can't do it and then they're like and we're gonna do it on point and here and you 32 go. Days. Yeah. go for it <laughs> joy that was a hard one I, I need to th- throw that out on twitter again like we need to watch that i really appreciate with jackie warner by the way just had uh, jackie Lee warren actually just had her very first baby oh, she had a baby yay. girl last week so congratulations to her but your ballet who were you training with uh in your younger years um, I trained with hardcore Russians. Um, yes. uh, I was trained mixed up until about the age of 12. And then I went to a new school and we had, it was all Russian based teachers. And was there a specific technique you studied? Under? Vaganova. You did. The Vagan- number one. Yes. Number one's Vaganova. So um, her name was Miss Olga. And I saw her this past week because we were doing a project together. But she basically retrained me. I started back facing the bars. Well, Five hours a day I was training with her for competitions, for just training. And she basically formed me as a dancer. Mm-hmm. And I credit her 100% for my training. Um, throughout the years, of course, I've changed teachers because she moved out to L.A. I decided I don't want to dance five hours a day. I was doing the Teenage Rebellion, so I stopped for a little bit. And then I went back to it. But she had moved by the time I got back into it. How long did you take off? I'm always interested. Like three months. Okay, that wasn't that long. <laughs> I didn't know if you were one of those that was like, I took two years off and I came back and I just picked it right up. Well, I took, like, I didn't train as hard when I came back. I, like, started doing, like, the jazz and the modern, like, mm-hmm. once a week. But I didn't do it five hours a day every day. Six days a week, seven days a week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you did go off to college. You didn't go immediately into the, I'm going professional to New York or L.A. Yeah, so my parents basically said you get a college degree and then you follow your path because they were like, with any degree, you can get any job. As long as you have that piece of paper saying you went through college, you're set. Uh, what school did you wind up going to? I went to Towson University in Maryland. Yeah. And what did you graduate with? What degree? Uh, dance performance BFA. All right. So I stayed in the dance field. I have a dance degree as yeah. well, BFA from NYU. Um, and I had to do all the boring gen eds, history, English, math, science. I had to do them all plus dance. Mm-hmm. So um, I do have that regular degree too, which was nice. It's good to have. Yep. But um, yeah, so college was my path. And I'm glad I went to college because it made me grow as a dancer and I didn't have to like be scared as an 18 year old living on my own and living going in New York out city I, you know i moved at 17 to new york city to, to go to college yeah. but the university doesn't really have a campus Camp- the way yeah you know Towson regular, does. Yeah. yeah so you're, you're out my mom said that at the night that she and my dad like drove away from new york city she's like what am i doing leaving my 17 year old in the middle of new york city yeah she and she still thinks about that too that to this day and she goes it was the greatest thing for you and you were safe and it was good but at the same time she's like, like what ugh. did i do yeah yeah and i remember the first time i took the subway i took it the wrong way <laughs> and i didn't realize until about 30 minutes in that i was going the <laughs> wrong way yeah oh my and gosh. It, New York wasn't as safe as it is now, so yeah. yeah. 
I've done that a couple of times. Yeah, you do. But you, <laughs> you know, rush, you don't read the signs. You're like, oh, train's here. You figure it all out. Yeah. It's totally, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's a good thing. Like you learn by doing. Yeah. When you graduate, and this, this is always an interesting thing for a dancer who decides to go to college, you graduate. And, you know, people that have business degree, they go off and try and find like a great desk job yeah. or something that <laughs> advance their career as a dancer. You, you have to audition and audition yeah. and audition and hope that you get a long term contract yeah. on something, not just something that's a one day job. <laughs> yeah. How did that work for you? Were you staying in the sort of Maryland area or did you go to New York City? Yeah. So for that whole senior year, because you basically have to audition January through April is audition season for a dance company. That's the time contracts are handed out. So that's when they're looking for new bodies. Um, I was up every weekend to New York auditioning and hoping to get a job, hoping to get that call back. And I never did. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I didn't get a single call back. I got cut after every audition. This is the reality, though, (laughs) of a dance career. Yeah. I mean, I still have friends who are in their 20s still getting cut from auditions because they haven't found that job yet. Yep. And it's like they have to like pull here and there jobs and it's scary yeah you pull it together like teaching sometimes you have to wait tables wait tables judging working a school store like you have to pull it all work at capizio a lot of dancers (laughs) work at capizio at one point or another or steps or broadway like they're all doing their work study and get your free dance classes yeah that's crazy um i was basically up every weekend unless i had a show down at school auditioning two or three auditions a weekend so how did you wind up at joffrey so um, I had gone to their summer intensive the year before, mm-hmm. and Davis Robertson, the director at the time of the concert group, which unfortunately is no more, they restructured Joffrey Ballet School's um, performance company, said, if I don't get a job, he first offered me a spot. He was like, we want you to join the company. And I was like, I have 16 credits left of college. I'm going to stay in college and get right. my degree. I wasn't going to give up 16 credits. If I had half, like two more years, maybe. Um, so I said... If I don't have a job, I would love to come join the next season. He was like, you always have a spot. Don't worry about it. Which is awesome. Yeah, It's a good position to be in. So I didn't get a job. (laughs) I emailed him the the next day. I think my last audition was for like Hubbard Street Dance Company. I was going crazy with auditions. Did you have a goal in mind? Was it a ballet company? Could it be a contemporary company? Could it have been anything? It could have been anything. (laughs) (laughs) a contract i was happy yep Um, (laughs) dance you got it yeah so i emailed him i was like i didn't get a job but i need a full scholarship because joffrey's scholar um tuition is basically college tuition so i was like i can't afford to live in the city and pay your tuition he was like let me see what i can do and he luckily got me a full scholarship which was great Mm -hmm. so generous of them and that's how i ended up to joffrey and you were part of their touring company? Yeah, so the New York school has had a company, a student fees company that okay. was acted like a real company. We toured, we did shows in New York, we did all kinds of stuff. So it was kind of a, an apprenticeship? Is that a good way to kind of ta- yeah, describe it? I mean, the New York school doesn't have a company to join into, so it's like... Right. Once you did the concert group, they expected you to get a contract, and they helped people find jobs, and they knew people, yeah, like some of the people out of my season there got into Ballet West or, like, got contracts, but it was just, like, like two people out of 30 maybe got a job. It's so hard. (laughs) It's so competitive. That's the the, the truth. And the job for companies based out of Chicago now. Yes. Okay, just so everyone knows. They were in New New York York. at one time, and then they moved to Chicago. Yeah. More but they're not even 
associated with each other anymore. That's so Chicago funny. doesn't want to be anything to do with New York. Isn't it's that so funny. funny. Yeah, I know. That's politics of yeah. uh, the dance world and everything else. Yeah. So how long were you with them before you decided to go see a doctor because you were you were discovering a lump, weren't you? At yeah. This point. Um. So I joined 2013 that mm-hmm. season, and I discovered the lump in February of 2014. So I was only with the company for a year. I was planning on a second year, but mm-hmm. that obviously didn't happen because I found the lump and got diagnosed and everything. Now, were you noticing this lump when you were dancing, or is it something? And this is really important, ladies, too. And I know it sounds like really awkward, <laughs> and men. but and men too. Thank you. <laughs> Correct me. Correct me anytime, yeah. please. Honestly, Maggie, because this is really important because men can, can get breast cancer, yeah. and I think we forget. You know, because we focus so much on research when it comes to breast cancer towards women. We wear the pink ribbons. You think pink. You think it's all about the women. Yeah. Uh, But did you discover this like in the shower? Because I think, you know, oftentimes you you get dressed in the morning and you're you're out the door and you don't think about it. But in the shower, you're sitting there touching your body, trying to get yourself clean. Is that when you're noticing it? Yeah, I was showering and I felt like a pea-sized lump like near my armpit. So I thought it was like muscle knot like some fatty tissue. I didn't know what it was, so I just ignored it. Well, okay. And <laughs> you are not the only person to sit in the seat. Danielle Jones, who is um, from So You Think You Can Dance, did that and also ignored it because she was like, eh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I was 23. I, I, of course, looked on Google. It's like, Google will tell me. Well, we do. We like to play WebMD. Uh, and let's uh, also do a little bit of myth busting. Is there any history of cancer in your family? No. Nope. Thank you. I... And I want to tell you, a majority, if I'm correct, a majority of women who do get breast cancer don't have that family history. Yeah, especially um, under the age of 40. Almost everyone I've met, it's not related to genes. It's not family history. It's environmental, usually, okay. or just something changes in your oh body. Gosh. All right. So this is March. Did you go, you ignored it. How long did you ignore it for? So until end of May, beginning of June. Okay, so a few months. Still the season ended. I, I know you're <laughs> laughing, but, but we also, I mean, but it, this is human. It we, is human. This is human. at 23. At 23. you're invincible. Yeah, you're like, I'm good. Like, don't worry about me. We don't like to go to the doctor. I don't like to go to the yeah. doctor. But these import, uh, these moments in our life, they're important. So important. Yeah. Um, was it hurting you at all? No, um, actually, um, like a month after I found the lump, I felt a pop in my sternum. I was doing a lift and I felt a pop in my sternum. And I thought it was a pulled muscle. Yep. So I ignored it. <laughs> but you're also a dancer. Dancers love yeah. to, we dance through pain. pain. We dance on bone yeah. chips and everything else. So, um, I, of course, I went to the physical therapist for the company and she was like, oh, it's probably a pulled pec. Do these exercises. Come see me once in a while. We'll work it out. And it just, the pain kept getting worse. The lump kept getting bigger. And like by the time I was diagnosed, it was this, like you could physically see it in my chest and it was pretty big. Um, uh, can, like tennis ball? Um, smaller than that probably golf? bigger than a tennis ball oh. like you could I was large breasted I was a D and you could physically see it in my breast wow yeah so it was big that's incredible so you finally realize like I gotta go to the doctor yeah. this is not this is not right the season's done I got time to go to the doctor right right you're like <laughs> I don't have to worry about missing a role yeah. or a class yeah you go to the doctor was there any concern at that moment um, well, first, it took a long time to find a doctor to see me so quickly because they were like, oh, she's 23, got a lump. No big deal. We got a right. thing in August. This was June. So they weren't <laughs> taking your medical needs yeah, seriously. Yeah, they were like, oh, it can't be cancer. She's 23. Yeah. She's young. 
Um, finally, we got I got an appointment to see a nurse midwife. She had an opening, which was great. And she, her, we, me and my mom call them gatekeepers. Her gatekeeper saw, saw an importance to it mm-hmm. and like an urgency, so she fit me in right away. Um, so she sent me for a mammogram and sonogram, and then they sent me for a biopsy because mm-hmm. they've also just told me, oh, it's probably just fatty t- tissues. We just got it tested to make sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, fatty tissue, uh, dense breasts dense happens breasts, with a lot. Yep. I'm I'm someone who has dense breasts, and yeah. so they most you know, people are. Yeah, and it's it, but it is, and women just think like I got dense breasts, it's fine, it's no big deal. Yeah. But it is a big deal because oftentimes it can mask a a, uh, a lump or a anything. Lump, yeah, yeah. So, um, how long did this process of like going to the nurse to the mammogram, sonogram, which I'm assuming was done in the same day, mammogram, yeah. sonogram? Yeah. I went for the mammogram and then they and then me the get biopsy a biopsy maybe a few days later. Okay, and then you wait for the results. Yeah, and that the doctor I had at that point was not the greatest. It should have been a red flag when he could fit me in right away. That should have been like <laughs> not the doctor you wanted. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> um, so it took him about two weeks to get back to me with the results, and we kept calling because I at that time I was like, oh, I can go audition for the Rockettes. The, Christmas Spectacular auditions are this week. Like, I'm ready for the next six months of work. And he was like, yeah, sure, go to the auditions. Like, come see me afterwards. And then I got cut from Rockettes because they weren't hiring tall blondes that year. So I got cut. Um, And we kept, I kept calling and calling, like, can you give me my results? Are they in? And they said, no, just come to the next appointment. So that made me think, oh, everything's fine. They just. Right. They just want to do a final checkup and then away you go. Yeah, and that wasn't the case. He just came in and blurted out, you have breast cancer. Was your mother with you? Yeah, my mom was with me the whole time. I started bawling. Joffrey was supposed to go to China that fall. I was supposed to be on that tour. And I was like, I can't go to China anymore. Not really thinking the magnitude (laughs) of what is right there in front of you. I was just like, I can't dance anymore. Oh, my gosh. So in that moment, I mean, what is that moment like? It's just because that the magnitude of that, of like, and I think you, you do, you think about like, I have all these opportunities, yeah. but you're not necessarily thinking about, wait, this is my health. Yeah. Cause like, you just start yeah. reversing course. It's like, Oh no, what do I have to take care of? And it honestly felt like a dream probably for the first couple of months. Cause I never thought I would have breast cancer, let mm-hmm. alone any cancer at 23. Um, and it was just like, Oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And, like, how am I going to keep dancing? How am I going to be in New York dancing with Joffrey? Like, my whole thought process was, how am I going to do this in New York? I didn't want to move back from New York. And that doctor said, oh, yeah, you can do chemo in New York. You can still stay dancing full time. I was like, great. And then that wasn't the case. Yeah. So (laughs) how long did you, before you switched doctors, did you? Like, two days. Two days. Okay, so you got the diagnosis and you, you yeah. hopped on over to somebody else. Yeah, I got the diagnosis. I got on a train, went back to New York, and then talking with my mom, she's like, we need another opinion. We need to go to another doctor. And luckily, what was our first choice doctors from the get-go, like my mom, because my mom was calling, she was like, look, my daughter is 23, has breast cancer. Like, she wants to see you. And they fit me in. My surgeon saw me late at night. I was like, the closing appointment, he waited. He stayed after hours to see me the oncologist fit me in like right away i got all my scans right away they were very fast moving okay good and let's talk because there are so many different types of breast cancer and uh ones that have higher levels of estrogen and and it's tell us what type of breast cancer you have 
So I have what I call triple positive. So it's all hormone driven. Okay. So ER positive, PR positive, HER2 positive, everything's positive. Okay. So it's all very hormone driven. Everything I have to watch my hormone intake basically. Really important. Yeah. I, and I'm going to imagine that also involves food as well. Yeah. So I went vegan. I don't eat meat, don't eat cheese. I don't eat anything with hormones basically Correct. because I'm in menopause. My like everything's shut down. Mm-hmm. So I have to really watch it. So I'm a 40 year old. <laughs> You're a good looking 40 year old. Um, so right away, the course of treatment, what is that? Did you um, do chemo first? Did you have surgery? Where? What were they doing? Were they trying to shrink the tumor a little bit before the surgery? Yeah, so my surgeon wanted me to get chemo because my tumor was so big it was too dangerous just to do surgery right away. So he said do chemo, and I had six rounds of chemo every three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I started July 1st. I ended in like mid-October, um, and then I had my surgery in December. I had a double mastectomy. Okay, and you you made that decision to have the double mastectomy. Yes, and it was a fight. <laughs> it was a fight. Yeah, the doctors wanted to give you a lumpectomy. No, since I had no lump, my doctor didn't. My surgeon was very open with giving me the double mastectomy, but he wanted to have me get reconstruction. Ah, and I did not want reconstruction. Okay, <laughs> that you know what, and that's a very personal choice. It is. What um what was your decision in not doing reconstruction? Well, my first thought was. They've given me enough trouble. I don't want them again. And before I was even went to college, I was a size G. So I had a breast reduction before I went to college. Mm-hmm. So I already was over breasts and having them, and I just wanted to get rid of them. And you know what? As a dancer, <laughs> it, it's it, it easy. makes a lot of sense. Packing's easy. Finding clothes is easy. <laughs> Everything's easy. Everything fits really great. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who's been small-breasted her whole life, I'm it's like, great. it's great. Yeah, no it, more back pain, no more shoulder pain, no more anything. That's real, too, <laughs> yeah. the back pain and the shoulder pain. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I don't know who developed um, bras, but they are the most uncomfortable thing in the world. <laughs> so they are. They are. So what happened in your first round of chemo? Because I know every single like treatment of chemo is different and people react differently and... Yeah, so my first round of chemo, that's when I actually found out I was stage four, which means it spread to another body part. And what body parts? It spread to my sternum, spine, and hip. So all the parts you need to dance. Were you feeling it at that point, too? The sternum pain that I had was the cancer, eating away my bones. Oh, my God. So that, like, my doctor talked to me through all that. Like, you have to be on maintenance treatment for the rest of your life. We have to have scans every six months, whatever. He, that's when we talked about it. Um, the chemo, I honestly don't really remember that much because I try to block it out. Um, mm-hmm. but I know it took a very long day because they have to get all your medical histories. They have to slowly infuse the drugs because they don't know how you're going to react to various things. You have like four pre-chemo drugs like Benadryl and steroids so you don't have nausea and all this other stuff. Right. So I my appointment was, I think, 7.30, and we didn't leave until, like, 6. Ugh. Yeah. Did you lose your hair in that on those chemo treatments? Yeah, it started following out pretty immediately. Um, a nurse told me to go get a wig before my hair f- fell out so we'd get similar color, similar cut, which was great suggestion. So we did, and... We, I went to a wig shop that was owned by breast cancer survivors. So mm-hmm. they know they knew what I was going through and what to do. And she was like, your hair follicles are really starting to die. And do you want me to shave your head for you? 
I was like, yes, like, just do it. Yeah. Get rid of it. It's I don't. very brave. I don't want to, like, wake up with clump, because my cousin had leukemia, and she was like, you'll wake up pulling hair off of your face. Like, That's you'll scary. see a clump of hair on your pillow. I was like, I don't want that. So I was like, just shave it. So I had a buzz cut for, like, maybe two weeks, and then I shaved it with my personal razor to get <laughs> rid of the little hairs. <laughs> Well, that's amazing because I, you know, for as women, we identify with our hair. Yeah. It is so much a part of who yeah. we are. Did you have trauma around that? Because I think some women do. I didn't. I always had fun experimenting with hair lengths. I would have really long hair. Then I would just decide. <coughs> bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I would decide just to cut my hair really short. Like I liked experimenting, so I was like, "Cool, great, new hairstyle," but. That's a great attitude. Yeah. See, and this is the thing. I mean, we're like laughing about your diagnosis and there's nothing funny about no. it. But I think like you having that spirit, though, does help you. Yeah. I helps think me. that's so important. Yeah. I always try to find the silver lining and things. Because you're like, oh, I waited three months and then I went to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I actually think like so many of us would do that. Yeah. We do it all the time. Like I've had a nagging pain in yeah, my back. Yeah, I don't have time right now. I'll do it when yeah, I have some time. no big deal. But yeah. It's uh, so important. <laughs> it's so health is so important. It it really is a gift. When was the bald ballerina born? Was she born in this moment? She was actually born maybe a week after I was diagnosed. Um, she was born early on then. She was born very early on. I was letting my college teachers know because I wanted to come back and take classes and like just stay dancing throughout treatment. So I had this one teacher who taught how to. Um, publicize yourself using social media like how to get your name out there and he suggested I start a blog and start like just to write down my thoughts and get my cancer journey out there just even if no one read it he was like you have something you can use it so I did at first I wasn't going to be very open with it I was just going to share it with friends and family to stay updated and and then it just started spreading I was like you know everyone my age or younger needs to know you can get breast cancer it's not just an old lady disease mm-hmm. um so I was like okay I'm gonna do this why not and me and my mom were just sitting at the table because we were like we don't want I don't want to call myself like dancing with breast cancer or dancing with through cancer like it just wasn't my personality mm-hmm. she was like why don't you just call yourself like the bald ballerina <laughs> and I was like yeah great and what's funny is all the females in my family and like my close friends were like that's a great name like, how did you come up with it? And then all the guys were like, really? Like, bald ballerina? Like, it's kind of weird. And I was like... Isn't that funny, though? I think for guys, too, like, going bald, bald sometimes. Bald like, oh, yeah. man. But you kind of embraced it yeah. in a very strong way because you're like, I am going to lose my hair. I'm going to experiment with the yeah. style and kind of embrace all of that, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, I was like, okay. And it was, like, easy to remember when I told people about it. They were like, bald ballerina, I'll, I'll remember it. Of course. And it like all the domains, all the social media names were available. So I was like, done. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, you've really had it, it's it's crazy because of your diagnosis, you've had some incredible experiences and opportunities. Yeah, for and sure. It, it's one of those like what a weird like life takes so many twists and turns. Yeah. Because of your work and you know spreading your message and your story, tell us about some of the cool opportunities you've had. Um. One of the coolest was one of my friends is a breast cancer lingerie designer. She designs bras for breast cancer survivors after surgery. She put on a New York Fashion Week show two mm-hmm. years in a row, and I was I was lucky enough to walk on point in both of those shows. And this Amazing. past year, I got to dance on the runway. So that was cool. That was like one of my right. highlights. 
When else are we going to be at New York yeah, Fashion Week? Of course. <laughs> um, for two years. I was like, cool. You're like, I'm a veteran of yeah, New York Fashion Week. Yeah, I was like, I'm actually. Well, um, I'm trying to think. I travel a lot. I've gotten to be able to travel and um, go places I never thought I Like LA, I haven't been able to come to LA so much because with all the opportunities mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. I've been in so many magazines and meet so many people. I met Kenny Ortega last year at Industry Dance Awards. That was amazing. Mr. High School Musical. Dirty Mr. Dancing. Dirty Dancing. Also Doriana, I know. Yes. <laughs> um, and he gave me his Lifetime Achievement Award. He was getting it that year, last year, and he gave it to me, which was an honor. And it's on my nightstand. I look at it every I love night. that. Um, yeah, just being like meeting people like you is really Thank fun. You. We uh, get to be friends. I know. It's so great. Um, you have a couple other big campaigns. Some we can't really talk about them, but I would say, um, really big. Both of them, like they're both, and they'll both be coming out within the next year or so. Yes. Yeah. I, and you guys, I will point you guys in the right direction when they're when they're available. But I, I the both of the names you're going to recognize right off the bat. Um, and I think it's exciting to be able to participate in those because they're high profile campaigns. It's a great way to get your story yeah. out. It's a great way to create awareness. Yes. Um, social media and all that is how we get more education and more awareness out there. And that's what we do. <laughs> how has dance kind of helped you through all of this process? Um, it's been my escape. Like when I was first diagnosed, the next day I was in the studio taking class and it just felt normal. It's my like my normal, my old life, basically. Mm-hmm. Whenever I get a chance to rehearse or get into a studio is always a pleasure. And I try to hang on to it as long as possible before I have to go back into the real world. Um, so I always look forward to rehearsal times and going back in the studio. And you're out there. I mean, you're performing. Um, I've seen you perform mm-hmm. out here in L.A. You're out there judging. You're yeah. out there creating <laughs> solos and all these kids. Yeah, I do a lot. Um, I'm getting ready. My friend Adrian's putting on a show in September. And when I get back there, I'm like two weeks back to Maryland. We start rehearsals for that. Um, but I I judge for Starbound. I perform for Starbound. I work with so many cancer dance-oriented cancer organizations like I Dance for a Cure and Dancers Against Cancer and Dancers Care Foundation. So I'm always like in my hands, always in something. Right. Any chance I get to perform, I always say yes, because I never know if I'll be able to do it the next time. So I always try to hop on those opportunities. Yeah. And I I think um, the one thing that is probably misleading to a lot of people, you're so healthy. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. Like every time I see you, you look great. Um, You're so pretty and you look (laughs) strong. And but you do have kind of this thing looming in the background all the time, don't you? Yeah. All my treatments, all my travel is organized around my treatment. So I go back to Maryland on Friday of a treatment that Wednesday. So all my Travel is arranged around treatment and everything. So and I'm and your like, treatment, if I'm correct, is it every four weeks? Every three weeks. Every three weeks. I didn't see. Yeah. I didn't even know that. And I have shots every four weeks. Okay. So because I've seen um, some of the social media postings about yeah. your treatments, and you have a port, correct? Yeah. Do you mind covered. showing that? If yeah, right there. A support if you guys can see it because I think and um, it's one of those things. So every three weeks you have treatment. Mm-hmm. This is what is maintaining your health, correct? Yeah, that's what's keeping the cancer at bay and stable and not eating any more parts of me. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a zombie. Come on. Yeah. Um, it mutates. It gets stronger. It gets weaker. 
But you had some really good news recently at your most recent checkup, correct? Yeah, I had a scan in May, and it came back no active disease. That's what we say for um, our scans, because we can't say we're in remission. We have to say no active disease. Okay, so explain to uh, the average person what remission means and what, like, no active disease means. Yeah, so remission is more like the cancer is gone. Like, there's no detection of it. There's no signs of it. And with no active disease and breast cancer especially, you can't detect those little, little cells. They could be so tiny, the scans can't pick them up. They can't. So when that there's no light-ups on your scans, that means no active disease for breast cancer, and there's no remission for breast cancer, unless you're a lower stage, which that could there's a 30% chance you'll have a reoccurrence and it be stage four. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's like two words that are like right there. You don't want to like say the wrong word, but right. It's and it's confusing, I think, to people because you just so confusing. Yeah, it's super confusing. And I use, sometimes it's easier just to say I'm in remission and that's it. But I always try to educate people, even when I'm teaching my students, and they say, "Well, you're all good. You're healthier here every week." I'm like, "No, I'm not." Like I always try to educate them a little bit, even if they're eight and they don't really understand. Mm-hmm. I know at some point it'll click. And they will understand. <laughs> now, are you on any sort of trial um, treatments or is everything kind of out there and available to the public at this point? Um, I'm not. I'm on every drug that is available. supposed to be for my type of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other drugs that if these drugs stop working, I can go on to. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm not on a trial Okay. because I have no active disease, so they can't monitor. Right. Like if the cancer is growing, not growing. Because you're like there, it's, yeah. I'm stable. So. Um, or there was one trial I could have joined, but I would have had to come off of all my drugs and I didn't want to risk that. I wouldn't want to rock the boat, no. right? Don't do anything if it's working. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about health insurance and things like that just for a moment. And um, I really want people to understand that we um I'm speaking. I, I'm an independent voter. I'm not registered at any <laughs> political too. party. So you guys can know that we are coming from kind of a, just a place of like caring about human beings. So mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to be offended um, on either side of the fence on all this. But I just want to throw out some numbers yeah. um, at people so that they do understand and that um, it, it gives you another perspective of the health insurance debate. Yes. <laughs> and I think it's super important. Which is so important. It's so important. All right. So, are you self-insured, or um, you have an employee? You do not have an employee-based insurance plan. No, I I have my own insurance. I'm a independent contractor, so I'm sole payer, sole owner of my insurance. I am too. So, okay, we'll just throw that out there, just uh, how that matters. Um, one of the big debates in healthcare is um, pre-existing conditions. Yes. So, if this federally goes away, what does that mean for you? I won't get health insurance. None. At all. At all. She will have no health insurance because that is her cancer is considered Considered a a (laughs) pre-existing condition. (laughs) Correct. And, you know, their costs of cancer are very expensive, but I want people to understand that you can have something a lot less like a migraine, reoccurring migraines that could be considered a pre-existing condition. Acne. Acne, something that (laughs) I had horrible acne um, in my 20s. And so just so people understand. Um. So what is the cost? If you had no health insurance, what would your every three-week treatment cost? Between, because it depends on what, if I'm up for a shot so that week or not. Okay. Between 12000 and 16000 Per month. Per treatment. Per treatment, because it rolls, yeah. So per treatment. Yay! Yeah. Plus, I'm on a pills that I take every for three weeks, and then I'm off for two weeks. That's $10,000 a dose. So that's 21 pills. 
for ten thousand dollars. All right, we're just gonna throw these numbers. I have expensive taste. (laughs) You're like, I like to do things really expensive. Yeah. And in in four in the last four years, how much has your cancer treatment approximately cost? Um, probably close to a half a million. So the other big issue in health insurance has been sort of caps. The caps. Correct. So oftentimes, I think in the past, the cap was like at a million dollars with some of the health insurance companies. So potentially, let's say in four years and there was a cap, there is no cap right Right now. now. (laughs) There is no cap right now. We're going to establish that. But in four years, you could hit that cap. Cap, And I would have to pay for everything out of pocket again. So I just want you guys (laughs) to look at this beautiful face and this beautiful person who I adore um, and understand and realize what the health insurance debate really is about and what it means. Because if you don't have someone in your family, and don't understand, or if you're someone who is so fortunate to have an employer-based plan, this is what life can be, and it's scary. It's scary. It's so scary. very, very scary. And I know that you're not the only one. You encounter many other people in the same situation. So, like, every breast cancer patient basically is metastatic, especially stage four, is worried about it. Where, I mean, we walked on Capitol Hill for it. We, like, we're, like, we can't do this. (laughs) You can't change it. <laughs> right. And yeah, it, it, and I just don't think in the United States it's okay for us to say, Oh, it, you hit a million dollars. It doesn't you matter. It. Yeah, you pay for it or good luck. Yeah, have fun. I, I, I don't I don't know. I mean it's I just, an additional stress that people don't think of. They about. don't think about it. And you know, medical bills are very, very expensive, even yep. if you just go for a stitch at an emergency <laughs> room. So think about someone you do have a major medical expense and also um car accidents, things yep. that happen um, in, in moments like that. So I just wanted to, you know, I mean, we're not, and just wanted to give people some food for thought. I yeah. think that that is super just important. Put it in your brain. <laughs> I know, absolutely. Like, just think about that. Um, I also love, and I'm going to show it to everyone on camera because I have it, my pop socket. I have one too. But... I know, you do. I know the other day we were out at brunch and by the way, we saw Jennifer Garner. I told her, wait, did I not tell you? I go, I see Jennifer Garner here all the time and literally five she minutes later, I was like, I delivered. You're welcome. Ah. Um, but you have a lot of really great bald ballerina merchandise. Yes, I do. This was Top Sockets most popular. Are they the most popular? I get questions about this all the time and I send people to your website. I'm like, go and check it out. So just so you guys know that there's there's kind of like some fun branding and everything that you've done. There's t shirts. I have to restock everything. I know. There used to be baseball hats. There's all kinds of She had cute pajama pants when I saw them. Yeah, those are almost gone. They're almost gone. But here's, you know, it's so funny. Um, I love how you've branded yourself and marketed yourself and you're out there doing, you know, public speeches and you're dancing and everything else. Sometimes I'm like, I want you to go and talk to some of the So You Think You Can Dance kids or Well the Dance people and let them know how important um, getting the message out is and how important your social media accounts are. Yeah. And like just taking care of yourself. Because I think, especially those who think you can dance kids, they're they're babies in my mind. Mm-hmm. They don't know, like, you could just use a simple hashtag and it'll get your branding across so well. You know, that was so, it was so funny. I had, you know, Chelsea Huff here this yeah. morning and at the end she's like, by the way, my hashtag is Huff is tough. And I was like... Why yeah. didn't you use that the whole time? That was so great. Like, yeah. I was like, I would have started that really. Like, yeah. everyone, my hashtag is this. And like, I love obviously, this. mine's bald ballerina. And I use, I tag metastatic breast cancer, breast cancer, terminal breast cancer. Like, I have my list of hashtags and I get followers every day because of it. Yeah. And that's important because you're, yeah. you're trying to get your message out and everything yeah. else. Um, because dance is such a huge part of your life. Do you, what are your goals in dance now? Because I'm sure that obviously they've morphed and changed from the days yeah. when you're at Joffrey. Um, 
I'm slowly working on getting like a private coaching business up. I have a few students that I've taken to YGP or I work with privately, even if it's just getting more flexible. I work with them weekly and I'm trying to get that business going so I don't have to teach at a regular school. I love teaching at a regular school, but I like having the flexibility of private coaching because it's... You do travel a lot. I travel a lot. If I'm not feeling well one day, I don't have to worry about finding a sub. I can just reschedule them. Um, So that's my goal. I also put on a yearly concert that is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. This year, it's five years. (gasps) Congratulations. I have some exciting dancers coming. Anyone you can drop now? Jim Nowakowski. Oh, little saw you think season 12. Yeah, and um, my best friend Adrian Canterno always comes, so... I love that. You've had JT Church perform. I've had JT perform. Uh, I've is? had Jor- Jordan's come three years now. Two oh. years now. Two That's years. incredible. Have yeah. you had Kaylee Ware perform? Kaylee's as well? performed. Yep. So, she was supposed to do it this past year, but she was out here filming some stuff. Yep. So. She did World of Dance. And yeah. JT, of course, is now Mr. He's a kid pro on Juniors. Yeah. It's public. I'm not ruining my. <laughs> I've been a lot about it. I'm not a lot. Yeah, he's to- we totally know he's out there doing it. But I do have an NDA with ABC, and they keep on updating us like, you're yeah. released from this part of it. And I'm like, what can I say? Yeah. I can say that JT <laughs> JT's on it. JT's on it. We're good. Um, uh, I'm not going to get in trouble. But yeah, so JT's been on it. Kaylee's been on it. Um, Jim's going to be on it. So it's just exciting who I have coming. I'm trying to get some principal ballet dancers to come, but I'm still talking to them. Uh, yeah, this, I know it's hard, especially <laughs> when is your concert normally? Uh, January. So this year it's January 13th. So it's right after Nutcracker season. Yeah, but the kids are ready. They're prepared. They're warmed up. Yes, they're their technique's go. good. They've been performing for weeks. seasons are ready right there, so they're all good. And the prima ballerinas are all like, oh, my body hurts. Yeah, I but did. they still come. I still get them. So, so good. Yeah. That's really incredible. And putting on a show, producing a show is no joke. Yeah, I, I, mean, I do everything. I don't let anyone do anything this girl's very organized <laughs> yeah what's the hardest part about producing because i think uh, the what a lot of people you know I, I help produce the show at least in terms of like booking guests and things yeah. like that and y- you see the snafus that happen <laughs> with booking guests and things like that um it's a lot of sweat um behind the scenes yeah my biggest thing is getting music program information from especially from the schools because they're doing so much they like one of my friends she does the Nutcracker casting. She does all the choreography. Then she has all the competition. Like she sends ninety kids to come to ninety pieces to competition. So she's doing all that music cut, all preparing. So it's like I'm always like, "Can you send me this?" Like I'm texting her, and she's like, "Yes, I'll get it right there." Like <laughs> it's just like getting all that information for the show because the theater likes having it early, so yep. they can program it in and do the lighting. So it's like. I need the stuff. Like, come on. I know. And a lot of people don't realize, like, when you're sending a text or you're sending an email with an exclamation point, like, we need this information now. now. <laughs> we can't wait four it's days. Or any, yeah. It's very important when you're yeah. producing a show. Yeah. So it's just, like, getting all that stuff is, like, the most stressful because I always have my stuff. Like, as soon as I get that email, I'm like, here you go. It's done. Like, it's so it's like, I just need it now. Give you it to me. <laughs> I know, the stress of all of that. Um, you know, one thing I, I want to mention, uh, and I think it's a really important part, when you, we think of, like, cancer and things like that, we always think about the physical aspect. How about the mental health aspect of this entire journey for you? It's tough because, um, of course, when I was first diagnosed, I thought, oh, I can go back to New York. I can go back dancing full time. And it was a hard transition to that to accept that I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, mm-hmm. I, I like, it took me probably a good year to really accept it because mm-hmm. uh, I was still trying to figure out what I can do outside of it, outside of being a professional. 
Um, also just the losing friends, losing connections because of a cancer diagnosis, you learn right away who, who your, your friends, true friends are. are. And some people surprise me by stepping up and really being there for me and others I was like, Oh, okay. So what can someone if you have a, a family member or a friend diagnosed with cancer, like what are the things that really stood out in your mind? Because I think sometimes it's really small things. It's not necessarily the really big things. Yeah. Um it was people who just texted like, hey, thinking of you or hey, like, do you need anything? Um, my cousin always had dinner for us ready when we came home from chemo. <sighs> so she always like asked like, oh, what do you want? Like and her mom helped like my aunt would make I'd be like, oh, I really want her mashed potatoes. And when I got home, they were there like the best comfort. Food. It was stuff like that when they asked, like, what do you really need? Like, do you want me to bring you dinner? That was really meaningful i had some friends who were like hey let's just go to the movies like Mm -hmm. it's just like not always talking of cancer i always like appreciate and remember those times when we didn't talk about cancer we talked like we were old friends which a lot of them we were Mm -hmm. but it's those moments that i really remember especially through chemo I, well, I think that's important because we can use that anywhere, anytime. It yeah. doesn't have to be cancer. It can be, you yeah, know. anything. Someone has a death in the family. Just someone's going through a rough it. time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, and I think we forget that because I also find, like, I had a friend um, lose their mother and I was like, you know what? It's been a couple of months. I need to check in on them because we all, you know, you go to the funeral, you send flowers, you send a card, yeah. and then we all move on. But life does go on and they, they may be stuck. Yeah. You know, a couple months back because they're they're missing that person or anything. Yeah. So I always those those little, little itty bitty moments, things yeah. actually matter a lot. Uh, let's talk a little bit just quickly before we wrap up with uh, Miss Doriana Sanchez. Hello, Dory. We love Dory. I think she's become like a really um, big presence in your life. Yeah, she's awesome. She so I met her at IDA. She intru- I was performing. She introduced me and we connected because she's also a cancer survivor. Yep. Um, we really connected. I I honestly when. I was told Doriana was going to introduce me. I was like, that name sounds so familiar. I It didn't click. And then my mom's like, she choreographs on Say You Think You Can Dance. She does the disco routine. She's the disco. By the way, she's done like all of Cher's uh, shows. Tours, yeah. And it was Cher who actually helped her helped out with her. her. With- And it's a fascinating story. Uh, If you guys have not seen the to the point, it's it's out there in the archives. Let me know if you need the link because your whole you're like holy cow, share like helped was there helping you through it all. So we started talking and I met her and it was just we found so many connections. She has pomeranians. I have pomeranians. Like it was just like (laughs) before babies. And I have some other friends who are like that. She has they have pomeranians. I have pomeranians. We're close friends. Like it's just something. And then we just started talking and like anytime I'm out here, I'm like, Dory, I'm here. Like, let's get dinner let's get brunch let's do anything she's the most generous person in she the is. world i love her i know i do too i know and then the three of us have been hanging out so when yeah. you've been out here which has been even more it's fun nice. it's yeah it's really nice it really yeah. is it i and i i appreciate the friendship that we've yeah. all sort of struck up and everything know, else nice. it is it. really nice i know you just never know like where you meet friends and how you yeah. meet friends and who where sticks you make, and who, yeah, doesn't. who sticks who doesn't and things like that but um i'm just glad we are friends because i just it's been a really we've been all week we've been like it's meant to happen this is totally I know. like the whole week it's just been one of those like crazy kind of like I know, fun I weeks to see you tomorrow, so it's like i know exactly so we're, we'll be at uh the, dance, the industry, uh, industry dance, dance awards. awards there you go um <laughs> 
Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. I think sharing your story, I think for a lot of people, it's it's not an easy topic. Um, yeah. I love that you have it with a sense of humor. Um, and But I, I think people need to see a face and understand yeah. that. And it's, it's really important. I want to make sure that you get all of your social media accounts yeah. out, your website, where people can buy cool things like this pop socket, which helps benefit <laughs> your medical bills, yeah. correct? It helps yes. defray some of the costs. So. Yeah, so all my social media is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I even have Snapchat, but I don't use it, so don't I don't use either. I gave up on mine. I have it, but I don't use it. It's all Bald Ballerina. All of it. Easy to remember. The website is baldballerina.org. Fantastic. So you guys go over, visit Maggie, say hi, follow her, all that good stuff, and just tell them all KB sent you. Yeah. I know. All right. Well, thank you. you this is so appreciated. I this know. has been thank a crazy you. fun week, and we've got one more night together to Yay! hang out. I know. So good. You guys, thank you so much for joining us here at To The Point. It's been an amazing day of dance interviews. We will continue with the eliminated contestants next week with So You Think You Can Dance. And then on the one-hour version of To The Point, it will be Elena Samandanova, which is Gleb Savchenko's wife, choreographer on So You Think You Can Dance this season. A lot of great things coming your way. So we'll see you all here next week. Thanks to Popcorn Talk for hosting and for DanceNetwork.tv. Check out all your latest dance news. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. Views expressed here are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.